go, let's go. Huh. They don't make them like us no more. Never made them like us before. Yeah, you deal with the real hardcore. Yeah, you deal with the real hardcore. They don't make them like us no more. Nah. Hey, everybody. This is UB with the Choose Inclusion podcast back here with Nina and Mike, as always. And that was a clip that we just heard from our guest today, Michael Acuna. We're really excited to have Michael on the show because we we haven't really had a discussion around music yet. You know, we've touched on food and um, we've touched on just a lot of different areas, a lot of different industries, but we haven't really had a conversation around how music plays into this world of diversity and inclusion. So I want to introduce Michael to the show. Michael, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah, to be on here. Absolutely. Yeah, we are too. And, and I wanted to start a conversation with your your name, your background, and um, sort of your stage names or your, your creative names too, because it's really interesting. We were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. Um, but but yeah, tell us about who you are, where you're from, your background, and, and your creative background. Sure. Um, so my artist name is, uh, I have a few, um, Ill7, um, which uh, a lot of people know me by, um, I-L-L-S-E-7-E-N. Um, I got that name early on. Uh, I used to be a part of, a, I'm still part of a group called Isolated Generation. And early on, um, when I was in high school, going into like college, um, Ill7 became my name, uh, mainly because I was studying like different styles of spirituality during that time. So I was going from uh, studying uh, Christianity into studying um, a lot of five percenter uh, beliefs, which is kind of connected into um, uh, a lot of uh, Muslim beliefs. So Il Seven, Seven standing for God and high consciousness, uh, also tying into the chakras, uh, is really talking about me being awake, ill, being illuminated, and Seven uh, being high consciousness, meaning being awake or, you know, being being connected so ill seven was one of my names that i first went by and then uh recently uh, within the last two years i changed my name to acuna black and acuna black was me really embracing uh my my lineage my heritage who i am and where i come from within my afro latino background um and within that um the project that i recently released uh, it's really diving into like narrative and stigma and bias in the sense of the American history connected into slavery and also um, the American history connected into um, just the, the stigmas and stereotypes that have been perpetuated based off of um, blackness. So I touch on a lot of these ideas within my album, uh, Creates a Vintage Dreams. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that it, it's it's fascinating to me, especially in this conversation of diversity and inclusion, because you know we always talked about uh, talk about underrepresented groups of people, and you know, so you you're coming from two groups, right? Given your background, I think you you said your mother's from Mexico, right, and your father's from Haiti. She's not from Mexico. Her we have Mexican background. She's from Texas, but uh, oh, okay. my grandmother she she's from uh, Mexico, and then. Um, my grandfather was from Mexico and yeah, my um, grandfather and grandmother on my dad's side is from Haiti. So, you know, third generation, generation in, 
but yes, like within that uh, narrative, it was a bit, it was, it's an important narrative. I feel that um, so much when, when you're talking about like history within uh, the black perspective is we lose our, our narrative and where we come from and who we are. So, you know, recently I was a part of an art show that dealt with um, diving into um, African history. It was called They Still Live. It was an art exhibit that was at Redline Art Gallery uh, it got some exposure on CNN and, and a few other uh, outlets, but the whole layout of what it is was really exploring the the lineage and heritage of who we are and where we come from. And the more that I did my own personal background of where I came from, I had Scottish in me, I had uh, Indian in me, I had African in me, I had uh, Jewish in me. I had so many different races, uh, you know, of um, that you really realize that the things that we don't like about each other is very much playing into the construct of an idea of one another. So uh, it was an important exhibit that helped me with my artwork just because so much of my art um, plays into narrative and uh, the ways that perception impacts us. And music itself, it's such an influential thing in the ways that it's an influential tool in the ways that we see one another um, culturally in the ways that we're broken into like these different groups a lot of our music it plays into our culture and, and our background and who we are yeah so like right. can you tell us a little bit about you know I, I think a lot of what you're talking about is intersectionality right just the fact that we all yeah. you know there's so much uh, not only do we do people hold multiple identities but that there's power and you know yeah. recognizing that there's multiple identities and that we have the ability to kind of work and support each other, um, exactly. especially when it comes to underrepresented groups. I, I'm curious, how have you taken that those those ideas into the music that you're creating? Sure, I, I think like um, the ways that I've addressed it is really diving into my own personal story, uh, and I think that's with most of us. Like um, a lot of my music and my poetry, uh, the things that I've created in the past, it ties into my own personal narrative, whether it be from an experience from me growing up an experience of me in the workplace or, you know, all these different experiences, um, but really expressing my truth so that other people can learn from it, but also for people who've went through similar situations, they can uh, feel that they're not alone. Um, so in my art, as of recently, I came up through really doing spoken word uh, through like Slam Nuba, uh, Cafe Katora, uh, a few of these spoken word uh, slam outlets. So I, I kind of honed my craft uh, doing poetry and writing. And then from there, um, really uh, embraced hip hop as a platform of me to express myself. So from there, I, I, I work in schools as well. So uh, a lot of my writing workshops and um, the art that I engage with young people, it really goes into self narrative and using art as a uh, outlet for therapeutic purposes. So a lot of my music and the things that I create, it dives into narrative and it allows somebody else to look into themselves and see some of the experiences that might've been traumatic to them and kind of unpack that experience and be able to look at it a little bit. Uh, Michael, thank you again for joining us. This is, uh, I, I love the conversation. I love the Ill Seven, the Illuminate, uh, Seven Chakras, all the symbolisms that you have with your, your stage names and your artistic side. I love it. I, I truly believe if, uh, if all of humanity as far back as, uh, you know, records, you know, that we were drawing pictures on, uh, on walls, uh, in caverns and caves, 
they had early instruments. Uh, all of humanity has always learned to express themselves, right? And I think because of that, it creates an ultimate uh, inclusion, uh, as Miss Nina was just talking about, how well, we, we get to intersect from one culture to another and really express ourselves. I, uh, I love this conversation and how we could uh, leverage some of these lessons from an arts and entertainment perspective in a business mm. sex, business community, right? Because uh, we know that communities, organizations that really uh, get inclusive, you know, how many different cultures, how many, how many different music styles are in there? And you, I know you do a lot with kids and I know you do a lot the arts and entertainment do you ever do stuff within you know like as or have organizations ever brought you in just to do you know some kind of a fun organizational development have you done stuff in the corporate world with uh with all your your arts and entertainment i have uh i've done a quite a few like collaborations with like universities um i've collaborated with a few uh attorney law offices and uh i collaborated with rtd like a, a few years ago on narrative and um, actually work with a lot of marketers um, doing kind of an implicit bias type of workshop, but also just kind of unpacking like the realities of, you know, other people's experiences based off of their identities and the ways they see themselves in the world and also the ways that the world sees them. So, you know, I feel like sometimes like exploring poetry and songs and kind of breaking down the lyrics and getting into like some of the content that's in uh, any art really, uh, you can learn so much because I feel that art, it really kind of captures like a, it's a time capsule in a moment, you know, a lot of the time. And I feel like even in business space, when you're, when you're really thinking about like uh, narrative in, in the ways that we see each other in that intersectionality in the ways that we engage in one another, even if we don't have similar backgrounds, there's certain things that we all have common ground on, whether it be artistically, music, movies, um, it's a variety of different things, or sometimes just business in the ways that we, we view uh, on how to approach a certain um, problem, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that's it's such an important point. And, and again, tying it to business, you know, it's, it, it seems like common sense, but most businesses, I think most leaders still feel like their employees, you know, sh should just naturally be able to speak up and talk about themselves, right? Or speak up when there's an issue. And, and I think well, that's, that's a, a huge misconception here and why, you know, again, it seems natural that it's just easier for us to express ourselves through music, through art, um, through writing. But I think that there is a disconnect and it, this is just a disconnect at the highest of levels where, you know, personal and business don't mix, right? You're different right. at home than you are at work. And so at work, we expect you to speak up for yourself and tell your story. But in reality, and I think, you know, if anything, this COVID-19 situation has shown us that, you know, we, we've absolutely blurred those lines now. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is everything, personal work, it's all mixed up. And so, right. I love this and I love, and I think it's something that leaders can, can walk away with and, and find creative ways to give voice to their employees now, right? Like what, what are some ways that they can do that? It's like you've been helping them do that through, you know, I love the, the one class you were talking about, you know, kind of exploring lyrics, right? 
I mean, what, right. what are some other ways in your mind that, that organizations, that leaders can help their employees find their voice, especially those underrepresented employees, um, and, and express those? Right, right. I think it's a variety of different ways. I feel like the gift of creativity is that a lot of the time it's a, a it's an equal, um, it makes everything, it levels things out, right? So when you hear a song that's talking about a, a hard subject matter, you're more open to listening to the message because it's on a creative platform and there's a melody behind it. I think that like when we're talking about like the workplace and we're talking about creativity and the, um, the necessity for creativity in the workplace, um, I feel that like it kind of evens the playing ground in that, in that industry, in any industry, really allowing somebody to age whatever work they're doing and express themselves within that I think it adds on to any business and the reason why is because when uh, you have somebody who has a different background culturally that culture comes out in their work and it comes out in whatever they're engaging and I think when you give somebody a creative space uh, within the workplace you're allowing that person to uh, express themselves based off of their experiences and their background and then within expressing themselves in that, um, you're benefiting from whatever that experience is because it becomes a part of your brand as well. It becomes a part of their work uh, and the ways that they express that work. So I think like creativity in the workplace is an important thing because everything that they're doing is, is an expression of where they come from and who they are. I think that having the right facilitator in the room for those kinds of discussions is really though I mean I think when um, you know I think with a lot of these uh, workshops and stuff like if if the message is coming from the wrong person it can just come off the wrong way and so I think you know I love the fact that you're doing this I'm kind of curious um, you've worked at law firms you've worked at government agencies you worked at universities I'm curious how has the culture been different in those different types of places and how has that impacted your approach in terms mm. of going to them and talking to them. Sure. Um, I think um, you're right. As far as facilitating a conversation, and I think a lot of people don't understand that either, is um, facilitating a conversation, it takes skill because you have to understand the people in the room. And you also are being a referee within that, meaning that you're trying to keep your bias out of a situation so that people can come to their own revelations on the ways they see things. Um, and I feel that, based off of my background being a hip-hop artist um and in the ways that i engage i automatically have a little bit of an edge just because i'm constantly entertaining and i'm constantly out there um engaging with people um which makes me a great facilitator in, in, in that space but i think that um when we're really kind of like diving into like different businesses initially when they see someone like me they don't know exactly how to take me just because they're like, what is this guy about to do some hip hop for us? And I think because of the way that I've grown up and the experiences I've done creatively with the music, um, I, I appeal to a lot of different people because I have to be open to taking a lot of different perspectives. And I think having an artist or a creator in business space, it allows them to like make those connections where in business space it's sometimes hard for people to make those connections because of where their minds are at. So um, in the attorney, in attorney, it's when I've done at law, uh, at law schools, 
I think uh, initially they've had a little bit of uh, like, okay, what is he about to do? And then as soon as we get into it, they find it engaging uh, within like the conversation space and they open up. Uh, as far as the colleges and um, some of the marketing companies that i would worked with in the past, um, I think they, they're interested in, in my perspective. I think there's a little bit of openness in those spaces, a little bit more than an attorney space just because of what it is and the style of business it is. But colleges and marketing companies have been interested in collaboration just because um, I have an organic perspective in the ways that I see the world and I engage in um, hip hop culture, which is popular culture. So it, it kind of frames the ways that a lot of people are conditioned and, and a lot of perspective in a way. And I kind of counter that perspective of what commercial hip hop is. So countering the perspective of commercial hip hop and kind of giving the culture of where it comes from and what it's about, open people to thinking about um, the ways they look at the world and the ways that you have to challenge a narrative um, just because the narrative is probably deeper than uh, the rap on the outside, you know? I, I love this and I, I love hearing how, uh, well, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm the token blind guy on the, on the crew here, Michael. So, <laughs> uh, so you're, uh, I, I love hearing that. Okay. So, uh, you, you said before our, our little chat, before you got on, you're the darkest of your family. So you've got, you've got a darker pigment. Yes. Um, and so, but you're going into, cause there's not, I, I don't care if it's financial services, healthcare, there's not an organization, a vertical out there right now that doesn't need an infusion of creativity because, you know, for our global, our global problems like COVID has proven, like we've got to start thinking creatively on how to connect, on how to keep our planet, how to you write down the, so there's not a vertical out there, whether it's, a, you know, what we think of stuff, sure, attorneys or, or uh, stuffy financial services. Every industry needs this infusion of creativity. So I love hearing how you're going out there and, you know, cause I, I was in private America for 20 years and mm. I would have loved one of our leaders to have brought in a creative, um, you know, individual like yourself to challenge, you know, uh, software des developers, designers, in, in a way to expand their creativity, because when you start to get exposed to other, you know, forms of entertainment and art, that all it does, it starts to, you know, you realize like, oh, my borders of creativity start to expand with all of that. And so I, I, I love that. Can you, can you give me, can you give some examples of like, you know, like, you know, like, like on the fly here, we didn't practice this, but taking words from a song taking some lyrics and how you would engage in an organization i i love i'm so stimulated by this conversation sure sure so like i mean there's so many different examples i feel musically of just how a narrative kind of plays out but i guess one example that i give is um uh i'll take an outcast song okay uh, for example and like kind of break down what, what he's actually talking about in that song and kind of like how that applies to demographic based off of their region and some of the things they're going through. But um, in the outcast, uh, Andre 3000, he has a verse where it goes, uh, I went to the mall the other day, heard a call from the other way. 
where I just came from. Some brother was saying something, talking about, hey man, do you remember Do you remember me from school? No, not really, but he kept smiling like a clown. Facial expression looking silly. He kept asking me, what kind of car you drive? I know you paid, I know you made buku buku from all them songs y'all made. And I replied, I've been going through the same things he has. True, I have more fans than an average man, but not, but not enough loot to last me to the end of the week. I live by the beat like you live check to check. You don't move your feet, then I don't either. So we like neck to neck. Let's, yes, we didn't come a long way like them slim cigarettes from Virginia. This ain't gonna stop, so we just gonna continue. Hey, that song, right? He, if you really listen to what he's talking okay, about, wait, 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 hold that, on. Wait, wait, that was badass. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thank you. Awesome. But um, you know, just listening to that verse and listening to what Andre Three Thousand is talking about, like. We look at outcasts now and they're considered like icons in hip hop. But, you know, early on in his career, him coming up in the career, the realities of what he's doing as an underground independent artist trying to survive and where he's coming from. He's coming from Decatur. He's coming from Atlanta, Georgia. So his realities and the things that he's trying to overcome, he's a good kid. You know, he's he's living in a hard environment within living that with in living in that hard environment, he's still expressing himself artistically and creatively within doing spoken word, doing hip hop, which shows a level of an intelligence that he's able to articulate his reality through art. So like when we're really thinking about it, the, the way that plays into like policing and the ways that plays into like a job, um, we have a lot of people who come from hard backgrounds that overcome uh, extreme environments. And then within that, they still shine. So the way it really makes me like kind of interpret that is like when police are policing neighborhoods, if you have a stigma and a stereotype about the environment that you're policing, you think that everybody in that environment is dangerous, right? And then you listen to somebody who's expressing their emotions and feelings, you're, you're, you're forced to deal with the empathy aspect of who you are as a person because that person is letting you know like, yeah, I know it looks good from the outside or you may think I'm a thug from the outside. But if you have a conversation with me, you can see that I'm an intelligent person, that I have struggles that I've gone through and some that I've overcome and some that I still may be going through. And then within that, I'm a person. I'm a human being just like you. And I think that's the power of art is that it breaks down like these ideas of one another and it forces you to look at the emotion in the person. And expression, regardless if it's a painting or a spoken word piece or you cooking food for somebody, um, there's so many different ways that we can express who we are to another person so that they can relate to us as a human. Yeah, I, so well said. Oh man, yeah, I agree. Like it, it's I'm well, it, up it, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, version uh, of this. <laughs> right. Well, and, and where my so where my head immediately goes then so you know to me because so we we've had this discussion before around food where you know people who have take issue with immigrants crossing the border from Mexico for example but mm -hmm. who who go to mexican restaurants you know like there's there's sort of this disconnect i think it's it's part of it is exactly what you're talking about which is just a lack of of awareness and really listening to somebody else listening to their story and and art and music and food are bridges between there mm. but you know you mentioned empathy and i think that's sort of the i think that's the key to mm. unlocking the gate so that we can cross that bridge all the way right to 
to listen to really listening and understanding somebody else who on the surface and, and again this just goes back to our biases but why we you know are you know why certain people are racist or why they you know they they have these views and, and stories you know assumptions of other groups of people but yeah you know it's, it's just it's funny how our brains work and i think i think music and, and art and all the things you're talking about are a great way a stepping stone but you know what what's the rest of the work that we have to do then mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you i think like at the point that you reach empathy right i think it's accountability at that point in my mind right like once you've been open to experience and like be open to somebody else's reality um i think and what i mean by accountability meaning that like we all innately have stigmas, biases in the ways that we see ourselves in this world. So right. it's constant work and constant reevaluation of ourselves uh, in who we are in the moments. Because a moment is where those moments are where like narratives really are impactful, right? Like it's a it's an interview and like trying to like watch your biases in the ways that you're you're interviewing somebody, or it's a it's a student that seems like a problem in your class and like you realize that this kid doesn't have enough food or doesn't get enough sleep so like the empathy at that point is allowing accountability to like really let that person's narrative be more complex right like it's really yeah. easy to um, point the finger at a person and you know and that's the problem with uh i feel mainstream politics when we're talking about democrat and republican it's like they're both right and they're both wrong on a variety of different levels. And like when you're separated within political lines, you can't see the gray area of common ground, you know, like, yeah, you don't have to like everything that a Republican likes. and You don't have to like everything that a liberal likes. But even though you may not agree with everything that they believe in, there's truth in it somewhere, you know. And I think that a lot of the time we get so polarized and our points of view and the ways that we see the world that we don't allow the common ground in the gray area to be able to grow because the gray area is where we all have common ground meaning that like the polarizing right and left point of view that we may look at the world as it's not really allowing you know it's, the world isn't white and black the world is white black latino asian native american uh lgbtq you know like there's so many different shades outside of white and black right but like we get so caught up in the right and the left in ways we see it that we don't allow the nuances so i think the accountability and checking ourselves when we notice that the narrative is becoming the main thing that we're not complexing the 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 narrative of a person or the narrative of a, a demographic or area you know like we have to like challenge ourselves to ex experience it as well be able to be open to experience it and like take in the full experience of somebody um, based off where they're from or who they are in, in their background, because you're going to learn something from it. You know, the, the thing that we get stuck in is ignorance and ignorance is a weapon that can be manipulated by anybody who notices that there's a demographic that's ignorant. Like President Trump, if you look at him as a president and he looked at a, a demographic of people who are marginalized that nobody was paying attention and he utilized the manipulation to go ahead and condition them and vote for him. So like, when you see somebody who is ignorant, if you're a person who is wise and you can see it, you can do, you can educate that person and enlighten them, 
or you can utilize it as a weapon and control them better. Yeah, one of the things that um, I always say is that, you know, we're, we're all racist, we're all ableist, we're all homophobic, we're all transphobic. And I think yes. there's a kind of understanding that like we, even if you are disabled, you are ableist, even if you, um, you know, because we've been raised with a narrative, right? We've been raised with this narrative of, you know, being other, being, you know, othered is therefore being less than. And, mm. um, you know, you can't avoid that narrative, like even if you identify with that group. And so I think that like starting with that baseline that we're all kind of building our identities around a narrative that's been established, but then recognizing that we can change that narrative, right? Like we can change it for ourselves, but also we can share that story and help enlighten other people about this narrative that is unique to us and unique to our communities and to our families and to, you know, like the people that we associate with. And I, I love the work that you're doing because I think that's, that's huge. Like, I think that's, that's the human element that needs to happen in order to change these things that we've been brought up with or that we hear from the outside world. I agree. I agree. Um, a lot of my background growing up, uh, my dad was in the military, so we traveled quite a bit. And, you know, I, I never grew up in one area, so I was able to see a variety of different uh, parts of the country when I was young, uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast and a little bit down South because my mom's from Texas. And I think that that is one thing that always kept me open to challenging narratives, because when you move around as a military brat, you're always making new relationships with people. And if you're not open, uh, then you don't have friends. So um, I think that's one of the things that helped me uh, as I was coming uh, up and growing up um, with really just challenging the ways that I see the world is the diversity that I always kept myself around uh, and not isolating myself in any one group. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I, I refer to that as my stained glass view of the world. Um, mm. Same, because of my dad, we moved around a lot as well. And um, yeah, man, it was, it just, you know, you know that, that experience, it never gave me the opportunity to feel like I was better than anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, seeing different people in their own environments and, and being welcomed into those communities and, you know, going to school with all these different, you know, people from different backgrounds. Um, I never, I never had that opportunity to become privileged, I guess, is the kind of what I'm looking at, right? Because we were all on this evil plane, or evil, even playing field of all coming from different backgrounds. I know, <laughs> Michael, Mike has, be careful. <laughs> we'll slip there, but well, you, know, I, you know, like I didn't get the chance to, yeah, to become evil, I guess is what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, I think if you equate evil to, or bad or good to uh, like what you were saying, I think it was very articulately said to, um, with, with perspective and, and taking empathy and charging into accountability and what we, talk here routinely on Michael is like that's that's a choice you have to like accountability is something that you got to choose into right like it's something you make conscious decisions on and and you, you're not able to plead or you can you can plead ignorance but the organizations 
that continue to, to choose into uh, true inclusion and some of the methodologies that you're using to uh, invoke and inspire and expand creativity, I think are phenomenal. I, 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 so I, I got to challenge you one more time. I would love, 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 love. And, and Yubaldo and Nina, if you guys are good with this, I'd love to hear you do some spoken word, my friend. I am, I'm so inspired and I would love to use this platform uh, to yeah. share out some of your spoken word, if you don't mind. Yeah. Sure. To take us home. That would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, appreciate you letting me uh, share some words with you. Um, I'll share like a piece from uh, Creative Vintage Dreams. Uh, it's called um, Nina, and it's uh, it's dedicated to Nina Simone. I wrote it as a poem, and then it became a song later. So I'll share that one, and see how where we're at after that. See if I'll share another one or something. Um, so Nina, I can feel her in the spirit. Yeah, I hear her in the beat. She the conscious of the soul to make the weirdo feel unique. She the vibe to make the mind connect the chakras to the soul. Translation of the spirit that gets caught up in the flow. I speak in code, a story told, the future holds and knows her well. I could tell up in the spell the message told the soul rebel. Now I'm falling on a mission, in a mission of the play. Put the view upon display, see what she did today. I know, I know, mind gone, slipped out of space, walking in the spirit. Calling it my happy place. I caught the gas on a paper chase. In a one-man band, you keep your own pace. Simone, Nina, moan, halfway, home. Take me to the water center, man, I'm told. Black is the color of my true lover's hair. Little girl blue fortune tells stories there. Little girl blue fortune tells stories there. Black is the color of my true lover's hair. They told me dreams manifest from old life pain. We strive to be great in these gladiator games. Power rain flame standing on the back of most children. Willing to be great if the closed minds listen. Break the tradition. Fish for Atlantis. The children of the no indigo new planet. Gotta transcend new standard. Gotta wait your turn, transcend new standard. The people breaking boundaries. The system can't stand it. All of the fallen, stalling in greatness. Artificial intelligence, who the fake is? Light beams shining out the eyes of the future. Christ mind, Superman, kill Lex Luthor. Feel all the pain in your chest. We find it in a moment. We take another breath like Simone, Nina, Mom, halfway home. Take me to the water center, man. I'm told black is the color of my true lover's hair. Little girl blue fortune tells stories there. Little girl blue fortune tells stories there. Black is the color of my true lover's hair. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That, that is the perfect ending. And on that note, <laughs> uh, Michael, amazing, amazing. Thank you for this conversation. I think it's going to. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was, it was a blast talking to y'all. Oh, this was awesome. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, so thank you all for listening in and we'll see you again soon. Bye everyone. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.